I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today has had almost 50 years of experience in intercollegiate professional football, having been a head coach at, the, at West Point and has coached against Tom Brady over 30 times. He's going to take us on his journey, which began as a graduate assistant at the University of Michigan with Bo Schembechler, and explore the various coaches he's worked with and what it was like to move into the National Football League from West Point. Our guest, Bob Sutton. Welcome, friends. So a really treat today. We have an individual who has intercollegiate NFL experience and has worked with some really unique leaders right, in, the, in the profession. And we want to begin by talking about some of the people he's worked with and for, and then also about what it was like coaching at West Point, especially today, engaged with a, a potential war, what all that means and what all that meant to the people that he coached. So, Sut, thanks for, thanks for joining us. You know, we talk about your career and you had the chance. Most people know about Bo. Uh, but Jim Young, who we'll get into, was really a unique leader who did things who was way ahead of his time. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you think Bo impacted you uh, as it relates to your relationship and coaching and so forth. Well, I think, Jed, without question, the, the most fortunate thing that happened to me in coaching was, was landing at Michigan as a graduate assistant. And Bo had just come maybe three or four years before this. 72 and 73, you know, because you were there as well. Uh, but I think that whole staff and their approach was uh, at that time a lot different than <laughs> most teams. I mean, everybody else and, and you know, the, the beauty of what they were doing at Michigan, they had all the uh, still the physical toughness and requirements, you know, that people were picturing uh, for college football, Big Ten football at that time. But I think the thing they did is they, they kind of went to another level as far as teaching and the progression. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Jim Young earlier, but I mean, Jim was to me way ahead of his time. I mean, he was doing things with visualization and, and things. But I just thought that that experience of learning how to teach and learning how to coach and not just, you know, we're going to go out there and smash them into the ground and do that. And, and that, I thought that was at that time, it seemed to me to be different than a lot of places around the country. Now today, you know, as we all know, everybody's into what's the best teaching method, how are we going to connect all those things. But I thought that, that Bo was uh, really ahead of his time. And of course, you know, that, that went all the way down through all his, all the members of his staff as well. As you move through coaching, you had the opportunity to also you know, work with a, a fellow who helped mentor me and probably helped me more than anybody was, was Gary Moeller, who you worked for at Illinois. 
And talk a little bit about his style. I mean, he, again, related really well with the players and was really a, a special person. Oh, yeah. I think Mo is one of the, the like, to me, Mo kind of had the whole uh, package thing going. You know, he was a, he was a football junkie. Didn't matter if, as, as you know, he did both offense and defense. Uh, he had a great uh, energy about him, a great way about him. Always uh, kind of what you think he loved to play, the gruff and tough and and that, smart like a fox, but like that. And Jim Young was much more cerebral, you know, in his approach to the game. And Mo was kind of in between those two guys, you know, as far as personalities. But one thing I will say about every one of those guys that I think uh, that they did is they coached to their personality. You know, nobody tried to be Bo. You know, they all those two guys, Jim and, and Gary, were themselves. They were they were authentic. And I, I think of all the things you you watch in coaching, you know, that's one of the things that's tough when you're surround, you're on a staff with a icon like Bo was, you know, you want to take a lot of those things. But the key part of that is take them, but it's gotta be within it's gotta be authentic to you, you know. And and those those two guys, Jim and Gary were Moeller and uh, Young were just they were authentic. They were. They didn't care about anybody else. What they thought of how they were doing business or uh, how it was perceived. So I, I think I learned a lot by just watching that as well. So you get the opportunity to go to West Point, which is unique. I mean, you know, we, we've got you know three major military academies in the United States that have unique individuals that are that are really different, and and the approach and, and what they're able to give and what it's like to coach them. Talk about what that experience was like. Of all my coaching experience, uh, I think that's the most memorable one and the one that was uh, very impactful on, on how I coached. I mean, I took a lot of the things that I, I learned fundamentally about coaching and teaching at Michigan. And then the exposure to, to the, the type of individuals at the academy and what the academy was about, uh, I mean, just it, it kind of uh, validated some of the things, you know, that you know, at Bowl, I mean, his famous was the team, the team, the team. Sure. And at the academy, you know, that there's General MacArthur's big statues out there. And right underneath that is his famous saying is the core, the core, the core. Yes. And it was the same thing. I mean, it's all the, the beauty of the academy is it's, it's like a, from a coaching standpoint, it's all the things that you and I would be trying to develop in your team there. It's developed on an individual basis every single day in everything they do. We were just taking it to Mikey Stadium and applying it to the football aspect. Like I used to say, the best laboratory they had at West Point was Mikey Stadium because it, it, it encompassed all the things that they tried to taught, you know, as far as uh, being responsible to other people, holding up your end of the deal, uh, being able to uh, make battlefield decisions in the moment, you know, so there was so many things. And, and probably the greatest thing I learned is that, you know, uh, at West Point, you know, we're not, they weren't blessed with always getting the top athlete in the country, but the person they got was a person that had no ceiling. I mean, he did, he, they never thought you, we couldn't do this. You know, they always, their, their belief, I used to say, if given enough time and enough support, they would believe they could do about anything. And that's how they played. I mean, you could go down and Tennessee, beat Tennessee at Tennessee. And then the next week, what was really challenging, you'd come back and you'd be playing Holy Cross. And if you didn't play just as hard, you could get your tail whipped because 
the talent didn't help us beat Tennessee. It was the way they the way they played and the attitude and, and really all the things that they did on a daily basis. So that was a just a great thing. I, I loved coaching at West Point. I mean, it was it was my favorite thing because it's the ultimate team place, just tremendous individual, driven, you know, almost possessed in what they could do, you know. Well, being the head coach there, I mean, only Red Blake was there longer than you. I mean, that had to be not only were you an assistant, you had the opportunity to, to run to run it. So talk about you experienced the Ohio State-Michigan game and you've got the Army-Navy game. So talk about the, the similarities and differences between that. Well, the, the, the first thing, you know, every, every part of the country has a, some, some great games, okay? Ohio State-Michigan is probably the biggest game in, in the Midwest, you know? Uh, Southern Cal, UCLA, you know, uh, out on the West Coast. Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, Auburn. Those are all great games, and they're very important games to those schools, but they're, they're regional games. This is not only a national game. This is a worldwide game. That's what's different about this thing. That's one area because it, it stretches across continents and, and it means a lot to those people. Nothing else you've done in that year really means much when you get to that game. I mean, you know, they talk about that all the time. But this game, that's how it is. You know, so I think that's one of the things that's totally different. The other aspect of this is that, Jed, that these players – it's almost playing against your brother. When you look across that field, 53 and a third yard, over there in that other color uniform is really the same person. It's the same kind of individual. So you're battling, you know, to, to know what you're going to have to do to win this game. It's going to take everything you have for 60 minutes. Anything less will get you beat in that game. The other part that makes the game so great that, that people don't appreciate unless you're there is that these 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 players now they're going to go out on similar career paths you know first in the military but when they leave the military they're almost always in similar paths you know because of their background what what they've been trained to do you know they end up in major corporations businesses whatever and they stay together all the time i mean so they they kind of fall so it isn't like a a rivalry of of anywhere else where once you kind of go your separate ways you really don't get connected. These guys get connected all the time. Obviously, in the military, you know, if you're in D.C. and you're stationed there uh, during a, a Army-Navy game, that's a big game for you, you know, because <laughs> you've got bragging rights and all that. The other aspect of that game that I think is so unique that's hard to describe is for the seniors on those two teams, Jed, most likely, with an exception now and then, this is the last organized football game they're ever going to play that brings out a kind of uh, energy and almost a desperation that's really hard to describe when I was there that was what I used to always tell our team I said every guy sitting here one of these years you're going to be sitting here like these seniors this is your final game this is the last time you're ever going to put on a uniform you know and when you have that feeling, it brings out a, it, you know, you got a reservoir of emotion and strength inside you. And, and those players perform at such a high level. Uh, it's, it's incredible. And that's why the game is so hard, you know, because you, like I said earlier, you're going to go 60 minutes. It's, it's not, it's not ever over. Intercollegiate, you make a decision to leave intercollegiate football and move into the national football league. 
So what's that transition like? I mean, you, you go from West Point and now you join an organization, the New York Jets. Who, who's your head coach that you go to the first time? Uh, my, my, that, we were right in the transition when Coach Parcells stepped down. Bill became the general manager. Coach Belichick, as you know, the famous, took the job for two days yes. and resigned the position and ended up uh, with the Patriots. So Al Groh was, was our head coach. And so, um, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was, for me, it was really interesting because, you know, I had spent the last 17 years probably coaching in the exact opposite uh, type of atmosphere compared to pro football. I mean, every college is different than pro football, but obviously at Michigan or Ohio State, that's going to be a much more relatable experience for your coaches, like the kind of players you're dealing with. At, at West Point, that just wasn't the case. We didn't have that many of the guys that went on. So when I get there, I mean, I have, I'm have i going to coach the linebackers, and um, I've got four 10-year veterans, you know, and I'm thinking, like, you know, what am I going to do here, you know? And But the one thing I found out quick in pro football, <clears throat> when, you're, when you're coaching a, a, a pro football player, what he really wants is he wants you to give him things that can help him sustain his career and perform. And so as a coach, if you can do that, if you can reach them on that level, they'll listen and they'll follow you. If you don't, they're not going to get up and it's not going to be disruptive and all that stuff, but they're, they're tuning you out pretty quick because they're, they're pros. The part that I, I really I, I grew to love about it was it was probably a little more of a partnership than college football. Because these guys, I mean, a lot of these guys, not every one of them, but a lot of these guys, I mean, they 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 attack their job. They study. They know this is a <clears throat> this is a short term part of their life. Ten years. If you get ten years, as you know, Jed, in the NFL, man, you had an unbelievable career. So I think I think one of the things that that I found out is some of these guys really understand, and if you use them, if you talk to them, and you learn from them. Um, you can do it. You know, if you're going to be, hey, I'm the boss and you're going to do it this way, I, I don't think it goes quite as good, to be honest. Like, I learned a lot of things from my players. Like, you say, hey, you know, we're going to do this. I had uh, Brian Cox, you know, who had quite a reputation sure. at that time, you know, um, Mo Lewis, you know, Marvin Jones, uh, um, James Ferrier was on that that group. Uh, John Abraham was our rookie, you know, who had, a, you know, a state in and done it. It really was a I think it'll be a Hall of Fame player before it's up. But so there was some really, uh, really great guy. Roman Pfeiffer, uh, as you know, uh, from UCLA, he was, a, he was a great player. So that was a great group, ironically, for me. When I first went there, I said, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? You know, I got these guys all been in there 10 years already. and They were all in the same draft class. And so, but I, I, got, I, got, to, I got to understand it. And, and it's like anything, Jed, like if you're, if you're, if you're not going to be upfront, honest, and, and you're not going to be involved with them you know, on some kind of personal level, it's going to be hard. You know, you, you got to strike that out, strike that with them. But the one thing I'm positive, you don't give them those tidbits, those nuggets that help them succeed, whether it's game to game or year to year and extend that career. It's, it's not going to last very long. No, and, and you bring a unique style too. I mean, we're in a profession where people have these huge egos, the coaches, and, and you bring a, a, a comforting way about the way you approach people, plus an intellect and a way to teach. 
So I think that your DNA in terms of how you've been able to move into organizations, you know, has allowed you to really be successful. And uh, I mean, you eventually become coordinator. Who are the head coaches that you that you transitioned through during this? Period? Well, yeah, I had I had Al Grove for for one year. So and you know, I'm, I just have left Army, and so uh, I got I got um, I get there, and I'm thinking, okay, Al Grove grew up. We were Jets at that time. We we're out stationed on Long Island. Right. We were at Hofstra, and Al grew up probably I don't know ten minutes from there, fifteen minutes. So he Al was fifty six. You know, got the job, and so I figured. He, he's going to be here for at least, at, I'm going to be there at least three years. I mean, <laughs> so we go through the first year. Now we, we were making the transition and ownership at that time, you know, so Woody Johnson was taking over the team at that time. So Al gets through the first year and I think we were, we were nine and seven. And um, I can still remember this vividly because I was still, my daughter was finished. Our daughter was finishing school up outside West Point. So I was up there and I was out shoveling our driveway and my wife stuck her nose out the door and said, Hey, look, you know, they're, they're saying on the radio, Al Groh's going to Virginia. Oh, no way. You know? And, uh, bam, about a half hour later, she comes out and she said, well, he just took the job. And I said, you gotta be kidding me. You know? So I figured my stay in the NFL is, is short, you know, I'm going to be back in college ball, but it ended up, uh, Herm Edwards came in after Al left. I didn't really know Herm. I had worked for Monty Kiffin at NC State. So I had a little bit of uh, somebody there that could at least vouch for me and tell Herm a little bit about. So I got to stay with Herm, which was great. And we did that for five years. And then Herm left, went to Kansas City. And I was kind of in between. And, and so, you know, I wanted to stay, obviously, the Jets if I could. You know, I, he said, well, just play it out. and we'll, I'm going to hold a spot till you, till you find out. So. I ended up getting to stay. Eric Mangini came. You know how the NFL worked. I was trying to go, honestly, to Detroit then. Uh, so I think, and so when that happened, I was trying to get to the to the, to the Lions as a coordinator. Rod Marinelli had just gone there. And so they didn't let me out. And they said, you just got to sit tight. And I'm thinking, you know, what's sit tight mean, you know? I mean, so I figured, okay, that was going back home to Michigan, all that stuff. Went and worked for Eric Mangini for those three years uh, at the Jets as a coordinator. And then um, then Eric was let go and uh, Rex Ryan was coming in. And that's when I figured, okay, that's going to be the end of my time at the Jets because Rex was a defensive coach. Uh, Mike Patton was coming in uh, with him from Baltimore as his first-time coordinator. And so I just figured, look, that's probably not going to work. And, you know, I didn't know Rex. I didn't know Pat at all, any of those guys. So – I figured that's it. And so I was kind of heading to the Giants with Tom Coughlin, you know, uh-huh. and uh, then Rex just said, hey, let's just visit, you know, just visit. And uh, the ironic, ironic part is the year before is the defense, you know, in the offseason, you have your studies. Yeah. So we studied the Baltimore defense because they were the best defense in the mm-hmm. league. I mean, we, we had every game broke down. So I was really intrigued by what they were doing because they were kind of ahead of their time mm-hmm. and all these exotic pressures and sure. Well, it was um, uh, intellectually, it was it was intriguing to me. So uh, he said, look, if you want to stay, he said, well, I'll keep you as a linebacker coach. And I said, I'm going to stay. And I really stayed, you know, because I was intrigued by this system of defense. And I'm really glad I did because it, it, it stuck with me my whole life. But so we did that. And then, um, you know, I stayed with Rex 
And then um, I got a chance to leave there eventually and go to Kansas City with uh, Andy Reid as the coordinator for uh, six years. So, and then, you know, after that, we came and we had uh, DQ, Dan Quinn at Atlanta, who had been with me at the Jets, you know, and, you know, you know, DQ, I mean, he's, you can't work for somebody better than DQ. I mean, he's an awesome person. Part of your experience gave you the opportunity to compete against Tom Brady. And you and I were talking yesterday and you said it was probably 30 encounters that you had with him. So if you think about what it was like to prepare for New England and for Tom and and what his impact was uh, in terms of your preparation and how it changed and how he changed your adjustments and year to year. Uh, you guys played them twice a year and then in playoffs and so forth. So if you could to our audience, just kind of explain what that was like. Well, uh, it wasn't always fun. <laughs> Uh, I think the, the, you know, of course we were there. I mean, um, Mo Lewis, one of the guys I was coaching, you know, this is the guy that hit Drew Bledsoe, which knocked Drew out of the game and, and really uh, allowed Tom a chance to get on the field. And, you know, having, um, you know, coach for Eric Mangini after that, when he came in, you know, that was it for Tom. Tom, Tom was in his third year, I think, at that point. And he was getting, you know, they were going to probably move on. But he, uh, he took that team, and we we happened to beat him that day up in New England when when uh, Bledsoe got hurt. But the next game was that year was the first year of their Super Bowl run. They started their Super Bowl run. But Tom was to me like one of the things that I appreciate about him that nobody really talks about a lot. One is how he changed his uh, body. Like he was a he 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 made himself physically into a much better player over the course of time talking five or six years. I mean, really dramatic. Everybody sees those pictures of him at the combine, you know, sloped shoulders, running and all that. But he 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 changed the the way he looked on the field. That was one part. I think the the things when I think about just playing against him in general is, is he has and I think most good quarterbacks have this and even quarterbacks that don't have uh, great arm strength have this and it allows them to play at a high level. He has such great anticipation. You know, he has pre-snap info, which helps him, but he he can digest the, the information given once the ball snap and know exactly where to go. And most of the time that ball is being delivered way before the cut. The New England system is a lot of leverage-based routes. So you're never sure, you know, when you leave the huddle where exactly that guy's going to be in, out, wherever it is. And um, I think I think he he was a master of that. Like he, he, he didn't hold the ball. He's got rid of the ball really fast. Uh, he did some, I'm, these are all flashing in front of my brain here as you're talking, as you ask this question. But the other part that Tom was so good at, he was, he had like, um, we used to call it, you know, he had a, a set point and a launch point. So his set, let's say, was all the way back at 10 or nine. Well, he was, t- Typically, Jed, he was a he was a slide up in the pocket guy. So he 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 made their offensive tackles better because he protected them, you know, set deep, get them to rush up, and then he'd always slide up and you'd be coming around that edge thinking, okay, I got him. But he he was always in command of that. So I think when you think of Tom, I think he made himself, I think he this is a guy that 
had all the other um, traits, you know, the the intangible traits that that any great player has, especially a quarterback. He, I think those are off the chart. Uh, his competitiveness, I think, is is his number one thing. He's very competitive, and I think you know, listening and talking to the guys that have been there with him, that competitive doesn't just uh, come out on game day. It comes out all week in his preparation. Like one of the great things he's probably done for the NFL for the, from a coach's standpoint is you know like, hey, you, if you want to have a chance of beating this guy, you better prepare like he's preparing. You know, if you don't, it's going to be really hard. You know, so I, I think that that's one of the So he had the anticipation and he was very accurate, very accurate. You know, like there's a – there's, I always think there's a big difference between completion percentage and accuracy. Both of them get completed. You can put the check out there. For one. But the guys that have that high accuracy, they're getting the most out of every throw. So the guy, hey, if the ball's supposed to be on the outside number, it's on the outside number, he can spin or run outside and make the extra yard. Tom was extremely good at that. He obviously, you know, he, he directed all the protections. He was in charge of everything. and. I always felt playing him. He never really cared if he had a free runner at him as long as he knew where the free runner was coming from. So, like, you, you had to do that, you know. And when you play guys like Brady and Manning and, and those guys, you're not going to trick them. They've seen every defense that you can put up there. and do that. You're just hoping to make them make that decision after the ball snapped, not prior. If they know that before the ball snapped, it's going to be a long day for you on defense, you know. But this guy is—he executed at such a high level, and you—you uh, just—you had to match that, you know. You had to know that. You—you you kind of felt you always had to have something in your in your bag for the second half because he, there's a really good chance if you're doing something a little different and he's digested it, he's—he's he's going to get the the best of you in that second half. So you—you you know, you just had to work. But he—he he makes you uh, as a coach. Uh, to me, prepare at a super high level because you know nothing, nothing is beyond him. You know, whether, you, like we always talk to defense guys, who's going to be the tell? Who's he looking at on film and saying, hey, this is telling me this coverage or this is telling me this pressure? Because he's got it. So, you know, you have to self, self like I told the player this, like we used to flash it up and freeze it and say, okay, like if we're doing a blitz four weak or four strong, and they come from the same look. So we'd put it up there and freeze it, and we'd say, okay, what blitzes is ask the defensive players in the room. And I'd say, if you get this right, so is Brady. Yeah. So don't, don't you know, you're, he's watching more film than you are. So, you know, you got to understand that this is important. Body language, all these things, the little things are huge. This is how you stand when it's cover one. This is how you stand in zone, your stance and your eyes. He, he's got it, you know, so he, he made you as a coach. I mean, and, you know, you can't do that in one week. It makes you just, you know, like we're playing them, like you said, twice a year. So you had to kind of take all those things into account and prepare your defense like that every week. Because when you got to him, if you didn't do that, it wasn't going to be great. And New England, how much of that do you think was on their schemes and their preparation? And how much was, was, was it Tom directing? Uh, I, I think it was a combination. Obviously, you know, you know, Tom played 20 years there and never changed systems, never changed the formation call. 
what a play is. I, you know, I, the way I picture that is whoever came in, you know, it was Charlie Weiss first, okay, and, and then Josh McDaniels, uh, then Bill O'Brien, and back to Josh. My guess is whoever walked in that door, it, it stayed the same way when it was yep. here. Because this 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 was really Parcells stuff coming from Giants to New England to the Jets and then Bill taking it on, you know. And and even though Bill wasn't an offensive coach, uh, he he set the plan. I think early in the week, like he they they have some very obviously distinguishing things they're going to do. You know, that's how they're going to try to win games. You know, uh, and I think you can kind of see like the way it was put together, like. I think of all the different slot receivers they had over there and over the years from Troy Brown, uh, you know, to Welker, uh, to uh, Amadella, to uh, I'm forgetting one right there. Edelman. Edelman. Those, those are all the same guys. Yeah. They're all these little guys that come in here, but understand leverage, know how to run routes. And, and number 12 trusted the heck out of them, man. Like he, he, that ball was out, you know? So, so those, those were things that it is. So I think it was a combination of those two things. I don't know if you can totally separate them. Obviously Tom going to Tampa Bay and doing what he did, you know, would you'd make a case say, well, okay. You know, Brady was pretty involved. Yeah. I don't, I think, I think coach Belichick would tell you, you know, you're not winning without good players and certainly not at quarterback. Right. You know? I mean, and so I think, and, and the other part of Tom that, that um, uh, you, you appreciate as a coach is he didn't try to break the bank, which allowed him to keep good players, you know, or go get good players, you know, and uh, they, did, they did obviously a really good job of that. But, but I think their, their system is obviously proven over time. They understand it. They know what to do. They know how they're trying to win. And as you know, Jeff, obviously the one thing that, that, that coach Belichick has done over the years is, you know, he, he's a very game plan specific guy. You know, there's some core things that are going to always be there, but how he attacked the team one week and how he attacks the opponent the next week, they're not always the same way. Right. So you you just have to like, I mean, I always felt as coaches, we had to do a great job, you know, paying attention early in that game to what's, what's happening. Because Brady and I came in the NFL the same year. Oh, wow. Huh. 2000. I said, I'm not retiring until he does. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> I'm going to make it past him. You know, he kept going, I think. Oh, or you've done it. I, I said, he's going to outlast me, man. <laughs> I said, but, yeah, no, he's. I think you know that when you play those guys like he or Manning, or they, they're just so cerebral and so smart and – I don't think anybody appreciates how they they have that ability to be so demanding. Yep. You know, with the other players. Yes. You know, like the, the one year Tom Morris came to the Jets as a consultant when they changed it at the ball at uh, Indy, and he used to tell me like, "Hey," he said, "Peyton ran the the practice. Like, if you're if you're doing seven on seven and it's not going right, he just turned to Tony and say, Tony, we got to do this one over.'" Yep. And they just start over. Yeah. You know, and he said, that's how he was, you know, and he said he was just a, a fanatic, you know, and he said, of course, he said Peyton would drive the, the lineman crazy because, you know, he did all the stuff at the line. And yep. then on Friday, he'd say, you know what, we got to change, uh, you know, this to mean this, you know, so, uh, you know, all of a sudden Zorro's going to mean this now, or Zorro's going to be dummy this whole game. Don't pay attention right. to anything, you know, because he was so in tune to, 
hey, they're what they got this and they know this and yes. yeah. But but I think those guys honestly, they make you as a coach work so hard, you know, because you just know like they they got that that damn chalk, you know, and they they can carve you up now. Well, so I, I tell you, it, it's been a pleasure since 1973 when we first had a chance to work together and stay in touch and to watch you uh, mature and, and, and take on the things you have and, and kind of stay the same person, whether it was us drawing up cards and doing yeah. things. I mean, your impact in intercollegiate and National Football League has been amazing. So I appreciate our friendship and all you've done to help the game and the players you've coached and uh, your family and the success you've had. So thanks. Thanks for sharing uh, your journey with us. Hey, appreciate it, Jed. Enjoyed it, man.